This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well. Uh, apologies, this episode is, is a little later than normal, but hopefully you'll, uh, you'll be able to squeeze it in before the next game. It is the nitty gritty now. We're down to the last few teams of this Women's World Cup 2023 uh, following England's penalty victory over Nigeria, we were paired with Colombia after they saw off Jamaica in their round of 16 match by a goal to nil. Uh, of course, Colombia had put Germany to the sword in the group stages and had scored some fantastic goals on the way with some quality players, Linda Casido, Catalina Uzme uh, and Catalina Jerez in goal. Uh, I have to say... I was fairly concerned, especially following that Nigeria performance. I'll be chatting with Dom Smith from the Evening Standard in a moment all about that game. In the other quarterfinals, uh, it was Spain against the Netherlands, which ended 2-1 to Spain. Then there was Japan-Sweden. Some of you may remember in the last episode, I predicted Japan to be the winners of this tournament. Shows how much I know. Uh, as Sweden won 2-1. And with that, it meant that there would be a new winner's name on the trophy. Australia-France. Well, that really went the distance. 0-0 after extra time. Uh, a couple of great goal line saves in there as well. Then the drama in the penalty shootout. Uh, the Matildas keeper, Mackenzie Arnold, saving four... And she even had the opportunity herself to win it, but hit the post. Australia eventually winning 7-6. So all very European-based. Of all the quarter-finalists, only Spain had finished second in their group behind Japan. Now, as I'm sure you are fully aware, England beat Colombia. So it means we have a semi-final lineup of Spain against Sweden and England against Australia. Uh, so after my previous predictions, I'm going to keep my mouth closed for now as it really has been an open World Cup. Really open, really exciting, really unpredictable. But obviously the Big rolling news of the week has been the constant talk about Lauren James sent off against Nigeria. Now, the day after the game, she tweeted in reply to Michelle Aliosi, uh, the Nigerian player whom she stamped on. All my love and respect to you. I'm sorry for what happened. Also, for our England fans and my teammates, playing with and for you is my greatest honour. And I promise to learn from my experience. And the Lionesses team and the FA released a statement saying, Lauren is really sorry for her actions, which led to the red card and is full of remorse. 
It's wholly out of character for her. We will be supporting Lauren throughout and be putting forward representation on her behalf. We fully respect FIFA's disciplinary process and will not be making any further comment until after any decision has been made. So on Thursday, FIFA confirmed that she had been given a two-match ban. Will this all be put to bed? Personally, I don't think it will. Uh, This is going to be a talking point for quite some time, but we'll just have to wait and see how it all pans out. But this is how times have changed. Whether it's for the better, I'm not sure, but players are now apologising quite often uh, through social media, Um, even if it's just a defeat or a poor performance. We regularly see it throughout the season, don't they, from players. Teams, I think, kind of feel supporters need appeasing with these apologies. I'm not so sure. So with Lauren James out, Ella Toon was brought in as her replacement. As it was with Nigeria, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation. Mary Earps in goal, three at the back of Jess Carter, Millie Bright and Alex Greenwood. Four in the middle, Lucy Bronze and Rachel Daly as wing-backs, Georgia Stanway and Kira Walsh in the middle. Ella Toon, as I say, in for Lauren James. She was floating behind Alessia Russo and Lauren Hemp. Now, Annoyingly, I had a planned family event. So whilst I was able to see the majority of the Australia-France game, I was on the road for the Lionesses match. In fact, I was stuck on the M1 listening to it on the radio, along with a lot of other people. Uh, but I have seen the extended highlights. The, uh, the commentators on the radio um, did do it justice. Uh, I think it was... Vicky Sparks and Karen Bardsley doing the commentary for Radio 5, BBC Radio 5. And yeah, they, they did do it justice. It's just, yeah, you just want, you just want to see the pictures, don't you? So here to join me and run through the game. As I said, it is the evening standards, Dom Smith. Hello, Russell. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you. Yourself? All good as well. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, here we are. We are deep into the the World Cup. England, the Lionesses are still in it. We're into the semi-finals. I know the last time we spoke, you uh, you did say that we could get through and be a possible winner. Um, it's, it's surely getting closer now, isn't it? It, it certainly is. It, it's very exciting to be able to, to move into the final four. Of course, I think it's fair to say we had the easiest, um, on paper at least, the easiest opponents of, of any of the eight who are in um, in this quarterfinal stage. But at the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you. And the fact that Colombia were in the last day is because they're, they've played brilliantly at this World Cup. So, um, yeah, they, they were, it, it was no mean feat to, to get past them. Yeah. I, I, after seeing Sweden, I, personally, I think I may have put Colombia ahead of Sweden. Um, perhaps based on just that America performance. Uh, but I mean, as in any tournament, if you get to the quarterfinals, then you're obviously doing something right, aren't you? Yeah, in terms of the comparison you just make there, um, I feel like maybe it's worth saying that Colombia play the better football, but Sweden, you, you would maybe back more to 
get a positive result in a tournament. Right. I think Sweden maybe can can turn on the style at the right moments, whereas uh, Colombia, in women's football at least, appear to be to be a bit more of an unknown quantity, and they've certainly taken people by surprise at this tournament. So, um, I know I know what you're saying, and, and Sweden didn't play very well at all, did they? In the round of 16 against the USA, but um, you know, here they still are. Absolutely. I, I just think that as this tournament has progressed, that the next tournament, the next World Cup in 2027, I, people are going to go into it, I think, with their eyes wide open. Um, I think this World Cup, people have thought, have just gone on maybe reputation of names and, and countries that they think are maybe good and and maybe just disregarded some of the nations that perhaps they they weren't aware of or didn't think um, could could do so well. And we've all been really surprised. And and I think Colombia are one of those ones. Come the next World Cup, people will think back to this one and go, "Do you know what? I think Colombia could go could go far this time." Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I think that we're still in a case in the women's game where maybe we we aren't at the point of of being quite as good in terms of punditry and journalism and and knowledge as we are in the men's game. But potentially that's because the information just isn't there as much. You know, it, it's easier when you head into a men's World Cup to know about your, your Zambias and your Irans, whereas mm. in, in women's football, less simply less is available, um, knowable on the internet. And, that, and that's maybe maybe part of it, I think. Yeah, you're right. I mean, shout out to the... Uh... The ones that are doing the good job with the uh, women's game out there and putting the information out there, it's just got to be found and, and pushed around a, a little bit more. Uh, but it certainly is out there. The So the game against Colombia, England, it started quite brightly uh, by all accounts. As I say, I listened to it on the radio and, and saw the extended highlights. Uh, Alessia Russo, oh, we said in the, the early rounds that perhaps she wasn't getting the, the supply that she perhaps deserved. Um, she had an early header and a couple of opportunities, as did Georgia Stanway. We certainly went into it with a different attitude to the Nigeria game. I agree. I think um, they were basically just more assured on the ball, weren't they, England, yeah. than they were against Nigeria, where they were just, not only were they dominated in, in, in possession by Nigeria, but they they actually couldn't keep the ball England for any longer than sort of six or, or seven seconds. And that is, that is pretty... Uh, you know, usually pretty fatal in a major tournament. Um, so England were lucky to get through that match. I think once it went to penalties, I think we all knew that England were potentially the favourites at penalties, but Nigeria were the better team. Here against Colombia, at moments it was a bit pinball. There were quite a lot of changes over in, in possession, which once you get to the, the real latter rounds, you, you don't expect from your, your Netherlands, France, your your USA, England, you don't expect that sort of stuff. But, but against Colombia, England maybe weren't, required to play the best football they've ever played in their lives and, and so didn't but I, I agree with you I think they still played better they looked more assured on the ball they kept it for longer they they threaded passes between them and the midfield saw more of the ball and I think you'd have to say in this tournament it's been quite surprising how little um, the effect of England's midfielders has been I think we, we headed into the tournament so excited by how by what um, Akira Walsh, mm. Georgia Stanway, um, potentially Ella Toon midfield would look like. And I think it's. I think this is fair to say that it's not quite materialised in the in the way that, that that we might have hoped. But but England are still in the final four. They got past Colombia, and I think most people would agree that they deserved to. Yeah, well, I mean, Colombia had their say in it just before 
uh, half time or, or just before the the 45 minutes, I think, were up. Um, Lucy Santos with the Colombian goal. Many people have sort of <laughs> said it's reminiscent of Ronaldinho's versus David Seaman versus England uh, in 2002. Rachel Daly perhaps could have closed her down a little bit more, but she's managed to get a cross-come shot that has just evaded Mary Earps in the goal and dropped in. It it looks a great effort, but you're just left thinking, oh, did she mean that? Yeah, you are. And I'm, and I'm not sure she did mean it. I think there were players queuing up in the box when she, when she delivered. She, she was... Frankly, she was quite wide of the box to, for a player really to shoot from that range. Anyway, I, I think you'd be if you're the manager and you and, and you see one of your players shooting from there, you're probably going to be hounding them for doing so. Unless what happens, yeah. what happened happens, which is that she lobbed the goalkeeper. I think it's definitely a goalkeeping error. You could say that Rachel Daly, who's not a a defender by trade, could have got tighter. But I ultimately think the um, you know the buck stops with with Mary Earps there. She she shouldn't be lobbed with a a shot that that was barely dipping. To be honest, you know she she should be able to to get there. It's not like it looped over her in quite the Ronaldinho sense. I, I no. also compared the two out loud when I watched it. I, I thought it reminded me of the of the Ronaldinho lob all those years ago, twenty one years ago. But actually, when you look at it back, she she shouldn't be lobbed really. She um, it's not a powerful effort, and it's actually not even a cross that dips very much. So. Um, yeah, disappointing one to concede for England, especially considering it was the first they'd let in from open play all tournament. Because uh, previously, the only goal they'd let in was that penalty against China, which I think we all agree barely deserved to be a penalty kick, did it? Yeah, no, you're right there. Well, with the FIFA additional injury time, which I'm still in two minds about it, we, we're getting our full quota of minutes and football. We've made use of it. And Lauren Hemp stuck out a big toe, again, following a goalkeeping error. The uh, the Colombian goalkeeper really should have claimed the ball as it was sort of bobbling around just outside of the, uh, the six-yard box. Um, but there was Lauren Hemp just to, to tuck it home and send us in at half-time, one apiece. Never in her career will she score an easier goal than that either, but... She doesn't mind. She's got two in the tournament now. Um, her first two tournament goals at all, of course. But yeah, it's a terrible goalkeeping error, isn't it? It's an absolute clangor. She 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 should really gather it at three different occasions in 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 the build up to the to Lauren Hemp sort of uh, hunting it in uh, with her toes. Yeah, it was a poor goal to concede for Colombia. It was a pretty poor goal for England to score, but it's perfect time to to score. Um, Serena Wiegmann will have been ripping up her. Her team talk, but I don't think she'll have minded too much. Do you know what you say that? As, as I mentioned, I was sitting in the car, we were uh, plodding along, and Colombia scored just as I say before half time. And, and I've said out loud, Serena Weigman's going to have to change uh, her team talk now. And, and my daughter sitting in the back has gone, Well, what do you mean? And so I've had to explain the whole, well, you know, they've, the, the game has has gone on and as it's gone on they've sort of evaluated what they're going to say what they're going to change at half time um and then obviously to to score that one she said to me well does does the team talk change again now so you're right yeah whatever she she had in her mind has has had to change in in a blink of an eye really um so yeah one all at half time uh second half 
uh, it was Alessia Russo, who I think it was around the hour mark, wasn't it? Who um, who capitalised on, I think it was another error, wasn't it? Um, and ran through and, and slotted nicely home for the winner. Yeah, absolutely. And what's nice for Alessia Russo is that two goals she scored at this tournament have really shown clinical finishing. It, it, um, you want to score when you're a striker leading a, a major nation in a major tournament, but you also want the goals you score to be. Um, to, you know, to cause other teams to look at you as a player. And Alessia Russo in this tournament has had to do a lot of the, the, the dirty work. She's had to play out wide a lot, run with, run with the ball down the channel. It's, it's not what you'd expect from a, a striker. We know from the men's game that Harry Kane in, in England's toughest games and Tottenham's toughest games down the years has, has had to do a lot of that stuff, which isn't what a striker hopes to do. And Alessia Russo has had to put up with a bit of that, but excellent finish, brilliant, brilliant finish, really. And, um, I think she you, you could see from her from her facial expression how proud she was to have have made her mark in a in a knockout match. Yeah. The there was some quite nice moments as the game ended that were slightly were very similar to what happened against Nigeria where the the Lionesses players were sort of consoling their their opponents as as they've gone out of the competition rather than sort of celebrating wildly in front of them immediately, which has been a, a nice touch to see. Um, I think, obviously, there was the last um, game against Nigeria where Chloe Kelly was uh, sort of attending to the Nigerian keeper um, who was um, on still on her knees. I think I saw a, a photo of Jess Carter consoling one of the Colombian players, which is, is a nice side of the, the game to see, that one that we don't necessarily see so much in the men's game. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of those Colombia players will have given up a lot to be at a World Cup. And and once you start to put together a string of results that maybe no one else expected you to um, to put together, and maybe you yourselves didn't expect to put together, you you start to wonder, well, well, actually, could it be us? So when you get knocked out, it's I'm sure it's all the more gutting, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure um, I'm sure they were absolutely gutted. So it, it was a, it was a nice nice moment. The same happened against Nigeria. Chloe Kelly was was not long having scored that thunderous penalty, the most powerful shot at the World Cup, I believe. Then she was consoling Nigeria's goalkeeper and and some of the other Nigerian players. So yeah, it's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a nice side to see. Uh, so with that result, we play the co-host nation. Australia in the semi-final. Australia got through after a, a dramatic penalty shootout against France. Uh, and with Australia comes the, the result when we lost to them back in April in Brentford, which was the first defeat. Was That was the first defeat in about 30 games, I think, wasn't it, under Serena Weidman? Yep, that was the end of a 30 match unbeaten run straight, straight coming in into the job. It was our first defeat under the new manager. It was absolutely hailing it down with rain. England didn't score a single goal. I broke my laptop terminally after the match. It was a terrible day. Terrible day. <laughs> well, let's hope your laptop survives this time around. Australia, though, still a very good team to get this far. Um, with with the whole World Cup, it has been so unpredictable. Australia have already lost a game in their group stage, losing to Nigeria. How do we see this one going? Very difficult to know who's the favourites, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, very. Um, Australia have enjoyed a good World Cup. Although I would, I would say they, you could imagine from their performances and some of their results, you could imagine them being out by now if they weren't the co-hosts and had the backing of their fans. Whereas England 
are here despite not excelling. So I think neither team have been have played superbly at this World Cup. But but, but actually, I'm not sure a huge number of teams lefty and have played excellently. I think Japan are the only team really who've played superbly in most matches and, and they're home, of course. They've gone yeah. home. So um, it's difficult to know who's the favourite. I think, I think maybe, for me, maybe it's still England. I think England have shown they've got the know-how of, of winning big games particularly under Wiegmann, that well, only really under Wiegmann, that, yeah. that, that maybe Australia are, are yet to are yet to show, although in this tournament they're, they're putting together a string of performances. But equally, the, the great equaliser, of course, is their home crowds. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I think maybe England go in as slight favourites, but they need to up the tempo again. They need to up the levels, um, just as they did for the Colombia game after the Nigeria performance. They need to, to ramp it up another, another notch, I'd say. That home support, as we know from experience, is is so important, isn't it? Though, like obviously, we we cast our mind back to last year and and our Lioness's support taking us across the country, be it Brighton, be it Bramall Lane, be it Old Trafford or or Wembley. That home support can really get you over the line. That's that's where I think um, Australia. That's the, the the famous twelfth man, isn't it? it? It really could be that that little extra spark they need. It, it certainly could. It, it certainly feels like it has been so far for them. So we'll have to see how much of an impact that has. It it seemed to get them over the line against France in that marathon penalty shootout. I was watching that at the weekend. Not not quite sure who was going to get through. It, it seemed to swing this way and that the, the penalty shootout in that quarter final. So it'd be interesting to see how their fans impact their performance and indeed the result against England. Yeah. Well, the one thing is England have maximised their uh, their stay out in Australia because regardless of the result in the semi-final, we are guaranteed a spot in the third or fourth place match, just as we were uh, in 2015. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what the, um, the priority or the target set by the, the FA was. I'm, I'm sure it was probably to get as far as we've made it so far. Um, but to, to stay out for the duration is is spot on, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's all you can ask for, um, with the slight caveat, of course, to that being you can ask for a little bit more. You can ask to get to the final. Yeah. And that's what England will be will be hoping to do this week. So um, hopefully they can do it. I, I believe they can. I think a lot of their supporters believe they can. The, the key is, do they believe they can? I, th- I think we know that they that they do. Well, that semi-final is on Wednesday, the sixteenth of August. Kickoff is eleven a.m. here in England. It's been shown on BBC One. Uh, maybe we can have a chat shortly after that if you are free. I think that sounds good to me. Great stuff, Dom. As always, thank you very much for your time. It is very much appreciated. And yeah, we'll we'll speak soon. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Thanks to Dom there. You can follow him on social media at Mr. Dom Smith on Twitter uh, or X, as it's now known as. uh, We'll still know it all as Twitter, won't we? Uh, Or at underscore Dom Smith on threads. Uh, Or, of course, if you read the Evening Standard, you can find him in amongst the back pages, either in print or online. You know what? I remember when I first began chatting with him, very early in the podcast days, to see where he is now. He has done so well. True inspiration, genuinely. Um, for anyone wanting to achieve something, Dom is prime example. The the success you get from, from all the hard work. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to continue to chat long into the future.
Uh, and of course, he still occasionally adds to his own website. You can find that englandfootball.org. Now, as I mentioned with him, that semi-final, 16th of August. I saw BBC One kickoff is 11 o'clock in the morning. And I hope to be back with you shortly after that with another episode. So once again, apologies for the delay on this one. But don't forget, you can find the show on social media. Just search Three Lions Podcast and you can give it a follow there. Or if you just want to say hi, just drop me a line. So until the next time, take care. Cheers. Cheers.